Welcome to Rule the Galaxy. Uh, I'm Jess, and uh, today um, you're in for just a discussion with uh, me and our, uh, our lovely regular Brent. Yeah. It's just the two of us. So, yeah. where do you get tonight? Yeah, a couple of guys came down sick, and uh, the uh, family duties for the other ones that are the normal regular co hosts. So, yep, uh, Duchess, Duchess and myself will be talking Star Wars escaping the regular world and living in a galaxy far far away for a little bit of time this evening i think that that sounds great so this is what it'll be for uh chapter uh 151 i believe of rule the galaxy so always a fun time so uh mm -hmm. brent how are you doing tonight i'm doing great like i said i'm gonna be able to be escape into a galaxy far far away i'm gonna take a few minutes at the beginning here to talk about something that happened so um I play that little miniature game called Star Wars Legion. Um, I'm in the process of, with the group that I play with, we've gone from like five or six guys to now we're about 12 guys. And they have the idea to start their own podcast. So I extended the invitation to say, hey, why don't you guys kick off your show on Rule the Galaxy and then kind of let us talk to you guys about what is this and see if we can rope any listeners that listen to this show into maybe playing and building that Star Wars Legion. So that's going to be coming soon. You can listen to that. Uh, maybe probably the 1st of August, I feel like we might drop it. Okay. Um, so, so, that's, so that's going on. And then this weekend, um, those same guys, we had about 26 guys at a local game store playing a competitive tournament. So like these people take this game serious um, and I was the guy that was there to make judges calls. So if they didn't like a rules clarification question, they just yelled for me and I'd run over to the table and my ruling was the final ruling, but it was, it was a super fun event. Um, it was awesome to see everybody's paint jobs that they do um, because some people go straight up cannon and they paint their shore troopers the way they do. And then there's some people that go with like purple and gold for their shore troopers. So it's always cool to see what kind of personal flair people put onto their armies. That's so. really cool. That's, that's an area of, of uh, you know, the fan experience that I've never really, you know, not for lack of interest, but just never been a part of. I've, I'm very artistic. I think that that's really interesting, but like I've never really had that around to even get involved in. So that's, but that's pretty cool. Yeah, so I just kind of stumbled across it. But yeah, the, the best thing is, and I didn't realize how creative I was until like, so it's a completely three-dimensional space. Like you create the scene that you play the game in. So you make the terrain. So um, I took two of my tables over there. So I've made three or four different setups 
to play around in. So one of the set, one of the setups I made was the blue. It's modeled on an idea around the blue krill planet from um, uh, Mandalorian season one. So there's mm-hmm. some like rice patties and there's like some huts and it's just it, it's cool. And then the other one that I did was based upon a uh, battlefront game, Takadana. So I have like a Maz's castle type type thing. So and, so, and you, you have all the little figures there, right? That's, yep, that's what yep. you play with? Yeah, so both guys, like, it's a it's a straight-up, like, war battle. It's, like, if you've watched, um, I'm trying to think of um, House of Cards, Frank uh, would paint, like, World War II figures. Mm-hmm. And you may have seen that in some other movies that, like, they set up in World War II dioramas. But this is with Star Wars figures. It's the same kind of thing, and there's a game behind it. Yeah until i started doing this podcast i didn't realize all of the different tentacles of fans experiences that you could be a part of um it was basically joe's love of toys that sent me down this rabbit hole because i got bored and i was like he was talking about looking for toys and it was during covid so i was sitting on my phone and i was searching the amazons and i was searching like ebay and stuff like that and i kept coming across this thing called star wars legion and then I stumbled upon some videos, and that's basically what got me. So, so you make it's like stri- five hobbies in one. I, I say it's like five hobbies in one. Well, like, it, does, it it strikes me that like, you know, we all come to Star Wars. And we love Star Wars, mm-hmm. but it's it's fans constantly trying to figure out different ways to tell their own stories. Yeah, and you know whether you're somebody who like me is a little bit more individualistic and i'm much more of the like you know the fan fiction fan art type of person it's nice that there are kind of those more collectivist outlets that Mm -hmm. allow people to come together and kind of you know tell the stories that uh go beyond just the movies and those kinds of things so that's yeah because one one of the guys was like yeah so for me he was like you could walk around and there's like 17 we had 17 different tables he's like there's 17 movies taking place yeah because if you get down right into it it looks um it looks like a movie set if you get right over the top of it it looks like there are miniatures from the movie set and i will share my last thing before we get off on uh too far of a tangent for legion a guy 3d printed um a mount rush mount rushmore and the busts of mount rushmore were han luke leia and yoda and it was a it was a fantastic print too the quality of that print was like a kiss like chef's kiss like beautiful and he did a good job he like painted it very muted and it like so there was a hint of green for yoda but it wasn't like overpoweringly green it was uh it was it was the coolest thing that showed up at the at the tournament. I Very cool. I, I I will say I think that uh, it strikes me as I, I'm not very much somebody who like really loves board games or whatnot, but the kinds of board games that I like are always the one that ha- the ones that have the little miniature characters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I had a friend who had a clue game. And it had all of the individual little figures. And then I got a clue game and I didn't know that it didn't come with them, that it just came with little, like different colored pieces. Right. And like I was the like, pipe well, and the rope. Yeah. why even play? That's the best part. I've always yeah. thought that things like Settlers of Catan, uh, Risk, yeah. those kinds of things, like I always want there to be a lot more figures. So with Settlers, they have created a 3D version of Settlers of Catan 
So like the mountain tiles are three-dimensional mountains. And so, I mean, it costs a pretty penny, but there is a three-dimensional version of Settlers of Catan, which I think is cool to look That's at. That's cool. Yeah, I like I like it when it gets very physical. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I don't I don't know. You know what what else is there to talk about? We were kind well, of talking before. It's a little bit of a more quiet week. We're kind of in between shows right now. But what struck your fancy this week? Well, so I was going to ask you a question. So I went into my long spiel about what I did this week. What did you ah. do Star Wars related this week? Is there anything that you got yourself into that you kind of? What have I been doing this last week? It's been a busy week. I'm preparing to. Uh, um, go back to my hometown. My brother's getting married this coming week. So that's a big thing and preparing for that. But um, I mean, I, I don't know, you know, like, like I said, it's kind of been a little bit quiet. So I've, I've got some, you know, scheduling some podcast uh, appearances and stuff like that. But really, it kind of just feels like we're in this period between Kenobi and Andor, where it's a little bit of a breather, which is honestly kind of nice. So, yes, it is very nice. And since you brought up the word Andor, I'm going to go ahead and ask you the question because I don't know if I've heard your take on either the trailer or what you expect from Andor. Um, but so where are you at on that? I'm so excited. I can't understand how excited I am. I was not expecting this to be the show that I was anticipating so much. Because, you know, I, I love Obi-Wan, so Kenobi was coming out. I love, you know, I, I was so excited when Bo-Katan came back into the Mandalorian, so I'm so excited for yeah. Mando season three. But the thing is, is that I, I did know that I felt like Andor was going to be the surprise that took people off guard. And, and you know, it's not out yet, so, you know, I, I'm not really sure. But um, I did have this feeling that, like, Andor was going to be this... Um, kind of unknown factor here where it's it's not a legacy character show like Kenobi and it's not a right. continuation like the Mandalorian it's a lot of these characters some of whom we know um but kind of it, it, it's kind of a blank slate kind of the way that Mando season one was and so I was always really excited to see like you know where is this gonna go it seems like they've got some really big things planned for this show and that trailer, I thought, just did such a nice job of teasing all of these different characters and the issues that they're going through. I'm very excited that we're finally going to get some character development for Mon Mothma, who has been this character who's been present since the very beginning, but for one reason or another has never really been fleshed out that much. And she's always been intriguing to me. And, mm -hmm. and it's amazing when you see that, like, I mean, she's in the original trilogy, she's in the prequel trilogy, and then got a lot cut out from there. She's in the Clone Wars, she's in the books, she's like, she's in a lot of content, but never really explored from a character standpoint. So prequel trilogy hit me with that one. Where did where would she like in the Senate type? Were there was there stuff in the Senate? Like All that was deleted... news to me. All the deleted scenes with Padme. Okay. All, all the stuff where they're and, where they're kind of uh, exploring the, uh, the it's it's kind of the the birth of the proto rebellion even before the Empire is there. So, okay. um, you know, she's there, and a couple other senators, Bale's there, Padme's mm -hmm. there, 
And then, you know, so, so Genevieve O'Reilly, you know, she filmed all this for the prequels and then everything basically got cut out. So now, I mean, how cool to have kind of a, a strange Schrodinger's cat type presence in the, in the prequels. <laughs> so Joe talks about a bingo card and never in my wildest dreams did I feel like Schrodinger's cat reference would make its way onto a rule of the galaxy podcast, but yet I completely understand what you're saying, but never thought that that would come out. Yeah. So I, I've said this before. I've never really been a prequel lover. Um, I never really, it never really hit me. Um, I'm a fan and I feel like many times when I talk to a lot of the people on this podcast that I'm just a surface level fan that I'm not like a, a deep in nerd fan. I'm not a, I'm not a hardcore, um, diehard. Um, I, I like to be entertained. So I didn't know that there were Mon Mothma scenes in the prequel trilogies. So you just, yeah, you just yeah. educated me a little bit. You'll have to go and watch them on YouTube. It's you know, and and it's I, I've never done this, but I know that there are like fan edits where they put all those deleted scenes back into back in. um into the movies. I've always wanted to um find a good one that incorporates all of those scenes because you know Padme just got so much taken out of Revenge of the Sith to the 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 point where she really doesn't have that much to do. But I mean, in the if you read you know behind the scenes stuff you see the concept art for revenge of the sith padme's got so much going on as she's realizing just how far um the republic has slidden and how dangerous a threat palpatine is and so um there's a lot that goes on in those scenes that are just really like you watch it and you go this is great stuff i don't think that um george or you know the, the the studio you know wanted the movie to be three or four hours long but um i definitely think that like the, all that is such it's such good content because it definitely sets up this era um before we even get the rise of the empire and i can i can understand it getting taken out right because we've talked prior to coming on the show but this was this entire nine movie arc i mean even the sequel trilogies had ties it, it is anakin skywalker's story so it makes like it while you want there to be more development of other characters it makes sense to take some of that stuff out because it doesn't go to the overall storyline because it was all his arc and it was if you're so if you're going to focus on that i can see why they would take out some of that well i i do for a theatrical film i mean it's i i really think that like i mean personally i mean there there is a reason why i was not a star wars fan the way that i am now until i saw clone wars I don't like Revenge of the Sith on its own. I don't think it's a strong movie. I agree with you. Yeah. I'm but see, I'm also of the of the impression that like Hayden's acting, I feel like he he forced this is just a personal thing. I know I'm sure there's some listener that's throwing their something something at their radio as they're listening or at their iPod or whatever they're listening on. And like I just think he overacted it and it felt it felt forced all of it, all of his acting, his anger, all of that stuff felt forced to me. And so I never really attached to An uh, Hayden as Anakin. Um, so it, so I've never, like, from going forward, like, yes, I like Star Wars. Yes, I like the movies, but those movies have never really resonated with me as, as hard as it has 
with i want to say like the current generation of fans right like i think even original trilogy fans really like the prequels now they've grown to like them because the original trilogy fans then watched the clone wars and the clone wars made them have a developed that affinity for the um the prequels and all of that storyline because it gave more depth to that anakin storyline it gave more depth to the some of that stuff that you couldn't see in the movies yeah i agree i mean i think that you know with everything it's some it's some time it's some additional context it always Mm -hmm. helps when novels come out and and i think that people are able to just kind of sit with things and consider things in a different light a little bit longer for me it's really the fact that um i love i love the prequels in general because i i'm the person who goes to star wars wanting the politics and the culture i love i love you know the original trilogy with the rebellion and stuff like that but necessarily in that trilogy the whole point is that the rebels are kind of broken off from mainstream culture and so you don't you're you're coming into a story with characters who are themselves you know luke's a poor farmer farm boy obi-wan's been in the desert for the last 20 years han's a smuggler and he sees his own side of the galaxy but he's definitely not you know rubbing shoulders with politicians and and Mm -hmm. you know the the extremely cultured and leia is kind of our one little door into that world but she doesn't we don't see that facet of her especially in those movies and so i always loved the prequels because of the world building that um we got from them but i think that um you know like i was saying before i just i i think that my problem was that the the hook to those movies was anakin skywalker and i think that hayden does you know a a great job in terms of working with the content which he's given star wars has always been a difficult thing when it comes to dialogue and it's it's to the point where it's like wooden dialogue is not a con of star wars it's just a feature now it's 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 that's just kind of what it is but i think you know it's 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 the balance of trying to play a shakespearean trauma or uh, you know tragedy right and and do that in such a way that still rings true to a modern audience who wants things to feel very realistic and so there's there's always going to be that tension there but for me you know i actually you know people people really just kind of crap all over attack of the clones i think attack of the clones is one of the best the, the best star wars episodes in terms of story structure where revenge of the sith i think is relatively weak in terms of story structure in terms of the the way that the characters and the plot progresses and the fact that like padme you know kind of gets lost in the shuffle Mm -hmm. attack of the clones i think is a fantastic buddy cop mystery movie that is very much justified throughout the entire thing the only problem that people have is that the dialogue is a little bit wooden well i also i mean because you're coming from and you you're coming into it, you're liking the politics, you're liking, I would say, more dialogue. And I think there's a lot of people that came into it from the original trilogy and wanted the action. They wanted to see, um, they wanted to see things be, they want to see pew pew. They wanted to, 
Um, and they didn't get a lot of that until the end, right? So they didn't get that until the Battle of Geonosis. They, they got a lot of a love story. And I'll be honest, and I'm sure I, it is a chauvinistic answer to say this, but I believe you, believe me, in my talking to people, I believe they're not liking Attack of the Clones comes down to the fact that there was a love story that was attached to that movie. Oh, I agree. And it's a love story that, I mean, again, I'll be honest, there's a reason why I was not a fan of Star Wars in general before the Clone Wars, and it was because I didn't understand Anakin Skywalker. I did not understand why Padme fell for Anakin Skywalker. And so those are kind of the two things that you have to buy into, or at least be willing to accept if you're going to get into the prequels. And it wasn't until Clone Wars kind of fleshed out all three of the prequel um, trio, that's when I, that's when I finally realized, okay, these, these two characters especially make sense to me now. And the thing that got me, the thing that made that happen, and it can boil down into one moment. And the one moment is the, the, the one arc is the Rush Clovis arc in oh, yeah. Clone Wars. Where That's you realize, early too. That's like one of the early seasons too, isn't it? Well, there's one episode early on and then there's oh, okay. one in season six. So it's okay. it's spread out, but but when he's there. Um, and I think that it's that I realized that the reason why this works is that Padme's as crazy as Anakin is. And she likes the drama. And I mean, there's there is a very, very real reason when people are like why why did she choose anakin when obi-wan was right there and it was like well a obi-wan was not interested but b she was not interested in him he would have Mm -hmm. bored her to death anakin was exciting anakin was it's the bad boy it's the the bad bad boy boy. it's the bad boy it's like all all females enjoy the bad boy because they feel like they can tame them i don't know that's that's well some Right. Well, some they of think us they, go they, for Obi Wan. Well, okay, you're right, but <laughs> I yes, I agree that like it, it, it's that bad boy draw, right? It's the yeah, it's that that mis- that mystery. They're like, what is what are they gonna do now? What are they gonna yeah. do next? And that's that why mysterious... I think that like that's why I think people were confused by Padme because her exterior is this very Obi Wan like, you know, devoted servant type of character. She is very devoted to her job and she's very mature but i think that the difference is that padme from you know in her in her personal life she is somebody who wants that excitement she wants that adventure and when i finally figured that out and it, it was that drama of the rush clovis arc where it's like padme you know she doesn't want anakin to I mean, Anakin gets very violent with Clovis. Yeah, he gets a little jealous. He does. But before that, I mean, Padme's kind of playing into it. And she's not doing much to stop it. She kind of right. tells Anakin, like, no, you can't, you know, right. you don't control me and whatever. And like, you know, it, it, Anakin does get too possessive. But in terms of like the whole, you know, the whole trio of them, they're all kind of feeding into each other. And that's where I went, okay it makes sense that she chooses the guy who brings the excitement into her life. Yeah. So I'm curious to see, to go back to our original, just to kind of try to segue it back. I'm interested to see how much of the Senate development we get in Andor. Um, yes. 
because Mon Mothma seems to be the central figure. It seems to be the one, um, I think I heard Stephen Kent on our podcast say it, um, that gets Cassian to do the wet work for uh, for her. So I believe that there's that connection. It's like, I, I want to see how that comes about. How does she come about doing and sending out those orders to make those hits or to to do the bad stuff? And um, But also, what is going on in that Senate? Because there's a couple scenes in that preview they're in an extremely lit white room with, and it looked like they were all wearing white suits. Uh, the Imperials were wearing all white in a very lit white room. And I'm, I'm just interested to see where, what that was all about. Cause I'd never seen anything like that before either. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not really sure. It's, it'll be really interesting. Like I said, I think that this is just kind of one of those shows that it, for all intents and purposes is a blank slate the same way that Mando season one was where we just we, we have we have a little bit more of an idea because we know some of the characters we you know know a little bit more about this time period of the rebellion but in terms of seeing this through Cassian's eyes and, mm -hmm. and like you said like kind of just what's going on um it's hard to really know and I think that that's just so exciting right now yeah uh, I've been excited and I, I got on the high horse on my last on the last podcast and I won't get on that same high horse but I as soon as they talked about the sizzle reel and I think I really think that Disney does a fantastic job of producing trailers and sizzle reels in my opinion um, because every one of them got me fired up for the show like I really was like again I'm not a huge prequel fan Obi-Wan Kenobi really wasn't a huge fire up I got fired up for that Mandalorian season two I think we did a two-hour dissection of a two-minute preview right like we spent two hours talking about it because it got us all hyped to see Mandalorian season two like I they do a good job of pulling my me in with their sizzle reels and um, all of that stuff so I think it was investors day in 2020 so December 2020 they had Diego and they had a bunch of people and the one thing that really, just the scope of the show, they said that they were going to have 200 named characters. Now, I know that, like, Will wrote Hood was finally got named, the guy carrying the, the which we now know as a safe, but carrying the ice cream machine. Like, I know that there are background characters that have names, but to have 200 of them that they know of in the 12 episodes, that just seems big. Right? It seems it, very big, yeah. Right. There, and it, that just gave me the impression that, okay, this is going to be bigger than it, this small focusing on, like, so I'll use Kenobi and Boba Fett. Like, Kenobi and Boba Fett were very small. Like, they were very yeah. focused on those guys. And I feel like Andor might, because of the fact that they said 200 names, might be a vehicle to talk about the bigger rebellion. And I, it's also the part that interests me the most. Um, which is why I like Rebels, but like as I watch Rebels, I'm like, okay, so that's this cell. What's going on 100 planets over? Because I know that there's another cell that's doing the same thing. And eventually that's what the rebellion comes is they link all of those cells together. But I want to know the story about the other cell. I want to know the story about the other cell in a different, in a different system. Like those are the, that's the kind of one I want to know that link up. And I'm hoping that I get some of that from Andor. Yeah, I'm really excited about that because I I adore Rebels, I, but I do not like it when people say like, oh, Clone Wars or Rebels, which do you prefer? Which one is better? Because they're so different. Mm -hmm. They have vastly different purposes yeah. because Clone Wars, like I said, 
Clone Wars is an anthology. There are yeah. characters who, you know, won't show up in many arcs at a time because that's the, the whole idea was to flesh out the entire galaxy, mm-hmm. show all of these different planets, show the state of the galaxy before the rise of the empire. And Rebels was fundamentally the opposite. It was a story about one family going through the galaxy and and having their own experience, but it is not meant to be this primer for what is going on the galaxy wide. And so I'm really excited because I think that Andor is going to, it's, you know, it's, it's not going to be an anthology. It's still going to be focused on Cassian and the people who are around him. But I think that it's going to be much bigger. Like you said, I, I just get the feeling like the, the scoops that we've gotten, even just mm-hmm. looking at the trailer, it feels grander in scope than the than especially something like Kenobi or Boba Fett. But I think that it's going to tell a story that is meant to be um, just a little bit more of a big picture story as opposed to Rebels' small individualistic story. Since we both brought up Rebels, what you did was also triggered a story that I just skimmed today. I didn't get into the deep of it. Um, and I believe it's the girl who was cast as Sabine mm-hmm. is credited with a quote. Don't, I, I, I don't know who said it, but I think that's they had a picture next to it. And I believe that's who it was. But she basically said is you don't have to know anything about Rebels to understand Ahsoka. And obviously, Twitter universe, anytime anybody says anything that they don't like, the Twitter universe is going to erupt into um, a firestorm, right? But what do you think about that statement? Like, to watch Ahsoka and to be able to get into Ahsoka, you don't have to know anything about Rebels. To watch Kenobi, you didn't have to know anything about Revenge of the Sith. They gave you a three-minute overview right at the start. I, I, I see absolutely zero problem with yeah. this this fact and people who do have a problem with it all all it tells me is that they don't get how the film industry works right people sam Whitwer has even made comments about how when clone wars was airing nobody was watching i mean the the numbers that they were pulling in were fine but they weren't anything majorly significant. They were telling stories for themselves. And that is what Sam has said. Like it was this idea of fleshing out these movies right. because George had a bigger vision. And then they started to get big after Disney took over and, you know, and, and with everything that's happened in recent years, things have gotten bigger and people have gone back and enjoyed right. the Clone Wars. Ahsoka, and all of the live action shows that are building off of some of these characters from the animated shows, these are shows that are going to be watched in far greater numbers because <laughs> Disney markets them and because they are live action. Yeah, and I was gonna say, I, it's the difference between cartoon animated versus live action. People yep. are going to tune in because it's real people and it's not cartoons. And I wish that that wasn't the case. I really hate yeah. the, the stigma that animation has of, of being less than because I think that some of the greatest storytelling, especially when you're in genre storytelling where you know it's sci-fi, fantasy, those kinds of things, animation is fantastic for that mm-hmm. so i wish that there wasn't that stigma but the, the the point is is that those shows already exist if people want to go watch them they can the whole point of these shows 
whether it is the Mandalorian, which has explained every bit of Mandalorian history that we've needed so far, the point of Kenobi, right. which has done a recap of the biggest live action movie that came out in the early 20, you know, the early 20, that seriously, that seriously changed movie making from going forward. And I think we all can under, can agree yeah. that the Star Wars was a revelation for the entire industry. Exactly. And, and so like, but if, but if they're willing to do that, if they're willing to give that overview to make sure that the millions of people who are going to watch this show have a recap, then they are certainly going yeah. to do the same thing with Ahsoka. They will tell us what we need to know regarding right. the ghost crew, what's happened to Ezra, what happened with Thrawn. And then the hope then is that instead of saying, you must watch this animated series in order to know what's going on in this live action series, instead of saying that, the hope is that people will watch the live action series and then say, this is exciting. Let's go and watch the animated show that inspired it. And we talk about it 100%. And I, I like that idea that it's going to drive them backwards, right? So it's like that backwards engineering. They're going to watch this and they're like, okay, I want to watch where that person came from. Um, where was I going with that? Also, you also made a comment in there um, that made me think about, okay, lost where I was going, but Ahsoka started her career as being the most hated Star Wars character on the planet. And it took 10 years of storytelling for Star Wars fans to finally find out she's actually a fantastic character, right? Because that's about how long the Clone Wars went in. But at, initially, like, they hated the fact that she called him Sky Guy and she, they thought she was just yeah. a pesky little teenager. And, like, what's she doing here? Like, Anakin never had a Padawan. Right? But then as she aged and grew and matured and as the show aged and grew and matured she became very beloved right and i think i think what i was going into like was saying that everybody's going to have their own entry point yeah. and this has got to be an entry point right so like yeah. mandalorian was an entry point obi-wan kenobi was an entry point which is why they went ahead and put those recaps in front of it yeah. um every show in and of itself is going to be somebody's a new hope yep. as somebody's star wars it's going to be their first and they need to do something that that is true to the rebels and is true to the characters but it doesn't have to be a rebels 2.0 and i think i think some of the anger comes in because we have this picture of our head and what i what you said was um they're going to explain thrawn and ezra and there's a part of me that thinks are they going to? And I, and I think that's why Twitterverse loses their mind because when you make a statement that you don't need to know about the Rebels, there are some people that are like, well, they're not even going to bring Thawne in now. Where's Ezra going to be? And they get all mad because they were expecting in their head that it was going to be Rebels 2.0 and it doesn't sound like that's the direction that they're taking it. Well, I mean, to be honest, I am upset that it's not Rebels 2.0 and I'm, I'm upset that Rebels 2.0 is not an animated show. It really right. should be. Personally, I, I, I'll admit, I get annoyed by Disney marketing. If, if this is Rebels 2.0, then I don't think it's being marketed well. If it is a story about Ahsoka, I don't think it's being marketed well. It's, it, I, I, I think that but it's, so, far, okay, so, Dis, so far Disney's trump card when it comes to marketing <laughs> has kind of just been to pick a keyword that people are going to recognize, eh. Mandalorian, 
Kenobi, Boba Fett, Ahsoka, <laughs> and just run with it, regardless Andor. of whether or not that's actually the best way to market the story that happens. And so I'm kind of like, I get the annoyance, but I will stand by the fact that yes. So like Mandalorian season two does not need to be marketed as an entry point. Now it now Mandalorian, se- Mandalorian season two right. is where we get into sure a lot of the characters that were introduced in the Clone Wars. And so there are elements of, there's always going to be that on-ramp that's going to be explained. But yeah. season two of any show does not need to be viewed as an on-ramp because sure. that's what season one is for. Sure. Something, But something like this, where it's a, a different story that's being told in a different format, it has to at least invite people on. Because like I said, again, it's a numbers game. You cannot tell... Mm-hmm the you know the 10 12 15 20 million fans who are going to end up watching this show you have to watch this animated show before you understand anything right. and that's something that like kind of bugs me about marvel i'm i'm somebody who's like i'm a marvel fan but i'm not a fanatic and so i like i really enjoyed wandavision i thought that like right. i i knew enough marvel that i i knew wanda and i knew vision and that was such an interesting premise that nobody expected that it but but you were able to come into the story in a way that I I feel like you were kind of grandfathered in some of the other Marvel shows that have come out I've I've known enough to be able to follow most of what's going on but I watch it and I know that I'm missing a great deal of significance and that's okay if 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 your 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 casual fans don't need to get every piece of significance in fact that's you know you have to throw a couple bones to your hardcore fans but those marvel shows in general I I kind of stopped watching because I just feel lost and yeah I I feel like in the same way like Star Wars has made blunders like that I I, I like, again, I like the bone that was thrown to people who knew the Clone Wars, but Solo with Darth Maul just showing up out of the blue, that was a huge faux pas. That was oh. so unfair to the millions of people sitting in the seats of those theaters going, he died in Phantom Menace. Exactly, right? Again, when you die, you die, right? I made that statement on one of the last ones that you were on. Um, you said something. I you brought up the whole Darth Maul coming back you, as you were talking. Uh, anyways, I'm I'm terrible right now. I'm listening to everything you say, but then you triggered another memory. I need to stop um, talking such long. Space. Not not no not at all. <laughs> I enjoy everything that you say because everything is very eloquently put and it can be better worded in my my pea brain but i do want to say that i agree with marvel um i got so lost because i feel like i'm missing a lot of what's going on because i don't know the backgrounds of all of those characters and i feel like and i can see that there is a parallel to that too the star wars fans know what's going on but do the casual fan does the casual fan um because i had answered several questions from coworkers about about um mandalorian and boba fett like they noticed a few things but they had they have questions that come up because they just don't know it as well as we do and like i said i'm still a surface level fan but i know it way deeper because i talk it all the time Mm -hmm. um so 
People just, you know, the, the people who get really upset by this idea that you don't have to watch Rebels beforehand. Right. I think that it's just kind of silly that what they're basically advocating for is that they want this show to be made and basically be the equivalent of Avengers Endgame. That you just go into <laughs> it. And I mean, I mean, Endgame. I, I watch. I, I basically was not a Marvel a Marvel fan until after Endgame came out, and then I got into it, and I basically watched everything all at once. Right. And and so like I had you know, but but when you do that, you like you you bring all of the context of every mm-hmm. movie that you've seen before, and it builds off of it, and you don't even know how much you're bringing to that final movie until somebody is sitting next to you, like my mother, who is not a fan at all, and just goes so who's that and is that raccoon talking and there's a talking tree and it's just like if you don't like it it, it, it's one thing to have like kind of a crazy premise like marvel has its own premise star wars has its own premise but endgame was never meant to be an on-ramp for people you're supposed to bring all of that previous knowledge into it this does not have to be that way no it doesn't but here's what i think is also so i say and i said earlier that a new hope and 1977 star wars changed movie making for forever right special effects and everything it changed movie making marvel and what they did for those 10 years of building the marvel cinematic universe has changed the way that all science fiction fans look at movie making and look at storytelling yep. because what they're expecting is they're expecting a consistent story coherently put together and planned out the way that Marvel did it. And I think you catch lightning in a bottle because right now I think, I think uh, Mar- uh, Alfie may have said it or somebody may have said it, that Marvel's in a spot where they are stumbling a little bit because they're, they're not as drawn out. There's not, it, it's not, they're, they're past Endgame and now they're in the post-Endgame world and it's like, what do we do now? And I think Star Wars is still caught, caught in some of that too. Um, but I think we all, all, all science fiction fans want to see that coherent world. And so when you say that it's not going to be Rebels 2.0, people will get a little frustrated because they want to see that continuation of that storyline. And they want to see that, conti- like, how did that storyline then bridge into Obi-Wan? Or how does that, like, they want to see those crossovers with those different new stories that are being told. I'm convinced of by just talking to people. I think that that, that idea of that cohesiveness, that planning, that those interconnected stories. I think Alfie said that uh, Mandalorian is going to become like the Avengers, Star Wars Avengers, because he's assembling his team um, throughout the course of the shows. Like he brings in Bo-Katan, he brings in Boba Fett, he brings in Miggs Mayfield, right? So I just think that as we go, I think people get upset because it's not, they, they feel like it's not going to have that same level of cohesion that they're expecting. I, I, I definitely agree, but I, and I think that, you know, I talk a lot about the fact that these kinds of franchises are fighting an uphill and basically unwinnable battle when it comes to, um, you know, basically making their fans happy. Everybody wants good, cohesive, character-driven, action-packed right. storytelling. <sighs> The problem, though, is that, you know, like you said, 
sometimes you strike lightning and sometimes you kind of just plot along. I recognize that you're never going to make everyone or even most everyone happy because, and part of that is literally just because when you spend 24 hours a day on social media, loving and celebrating these characters and stories, you know, I, I, I sometimes I just remind people, look at your favorite character, look at your favorite episode, uh, you know, uh, look of, uh, of Clone Wars or Rebels or whatever you love. You, I guarantee you, have thought about that character and that story more than the people who created the stories about them. And I know that that's the case because those people cannot focus on one character or one story for days, weeks, months, years at a time. They create these characters. They do their best to give them a bit of a, a firm foundation and a little bit of fleshing out. And then they have to move on. And that doesn't mean yeah. that they don't love them. But when it comes to, you know, oh, they, they, they brought this character back and oh, the creator doesn't understand this character like I do. In some ways you might be right because you have spent an awful lot of time thinking about this and coming up with your own head cannons and what you think makes sense for them. And for, for me, I kind of go, the fandom really needs to get to a place where we're able to set aside all of the head cannons and all of the fan theories and just say, I'm gonna look at what's on the screen and yep. what we're given. And, and you might still be critical about it. Yeah. But you're not gonna be able to get as in-depth storytelling as you are hoping for when you've spent so long thinking about it. And that is a much better way of what I've been saying is I just keep my expectations like, yes, I'm excited for Andor. I do have expectations for Andor and I hate it, but I'm also going to go into it knowing that I don't know the whole story. It's going to be a week by week thing. I don't know the whole story. I'm going to hold out and reserve my judgment at, until the end of it. Like I'm going to let the creators, creatives and creators create the story and create the world. If it doesn't match what I wanted it, I'm, I'm a fan that allowed that is okay with that. Like mm -hmm. I like it. That's, that's awesome. I want you to subvert my expectations. I want you to do something different and take me in a different direction than what I anticipated. Now I know that there's another set of fandom that doesn't like that as well. So, um, but for me, I want you to subvert it. I want, I want it to be something that's out, out there. Yeah. But you did bring up a question that I want to kind of circle back because I think it goes to another topic that I want to, you said, uh, think of your favorite character, think of your favorite arc. And you've probably lived with that and created your own headcanon and you've lived with that person for, or that character or that arc for longer than the people who created the show. And I 100% support it, but I'm going to ask you, and I it ties into where I think, I, I think you know where I'm going to go with this. What person and or arc have you lived with? Well, I mean, for me, it's always the Duchess. It's, it's always the teen. And, and I mean, people, People kind of rib me when it comes to like, I mean, I can literally make any Star Wars content <laughs> go back to Satine and Mandalore. I really can. I, I'm sure you can. I like, can. That's why I'm laughing. Because, and, and, I mean, there, there really is. I mean, it was her story that really made the whole universe come alive. And it's really through exploring that, that I found a love for all of these different eras and characters and stuff like that. So. Right. So her story brought the world alive to you, right? Mm -hmm. So for some other people, it was Vader's story that brought the world alive for them. For other people, 
Um, I don't know. I, I'm going to say it because I'm, I'm an I'm an apologist. Jar Jar Binks probably brought the world alive for some people as well Absolutely. because because Misa likes Jar Jar. I have no problem with a goofy dude that just kind of falls into helping out with things. So Absolutely. with that with that being said, and the Duchess is is who you have. I know I'm going to let you go on a rant here for a second. Um, I'm going to give you the floor space, so I'm setting you up for it. What did what do you think about and what are your feelings on Kenobi at a show and the lack of Duchess being mentioned? Okay, I'm getting my soapbox out. So um, first off, I will just say that, um, you know, I, I liked what you said, you know, just regardless of, of Satine at all. I like what you said about, you know, you try to go into these shows and just let the stories be told. I, I always say just let them tell their story. I really can't stand it when people are, you know, decrying, oh, you know, this is ruined Star Wars. You know, I was I was seeing things like, you know, four episodes in, well, why haven't they used the Imperial March yet? Where's the force theme? And like all of this stuff. And I'm just like, it's coming. And it did, because that's the point. They're not going to forget about these things. They can't use all that. Obi-Wan cannot have the force theme when Obi-Wan doesn't even have the force. Like, like all of these things, like just let the storytellers tell their stories. So for me, what I find is that I am very gracious with storytellers as a story is going on. For me, like as I was going through Kenobi, I was pretty positive the entire way through. And that, that positivity doesn't change at the end. I still, I really enjoyed the end, but I will say that I, I also do see more of like, I'm willing to be critical. And there was a lot about the finale that did fall flat to me in terms of the storytelling. And um, that's something that like, again, it's, it's just a balance. You just got to kind of live with that. There was also a lot that I really, really enjoyed. And the show as a whole, I thought was just, um, you know, it, it wasn't mind blowing to me, but it was a joy. And I watched it every day with a smile on my face. And I really, really loved it. That being said, I do think that um, I kind of came away with it kind of just wondering what did the writers come in with in terms of like did they watch all of Clone Wars you know I know that Hayden watched Clone Wars and Rebels Ewan said that he watched a little bit but I was really hoping for a lot more connections to Clone Wars and I and kind of this this whole conversation we've been having about the on-ramp I thought that this whole show was going to be used, at, you know, in, in subtle or not so subtle ways of referencing the Clone Wars and stuff like that as a way to get people interested. Obviously, Clone Wars is very important to Ahsoka, to the Mandalorian, to um, even even with Andor, with Saw Gerrera and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I thought that that um, Kenobi was going to at least take the opportunity to do that. And I think that the really the only time that they did it was the Quinlan mention. Mm -hmm. Everything else was related to the prequels, which is, again, fine. But I just thought it was really a missed opportunity that they really didn't seek to tie in that whole era that the more diehard fans know quite a lot about, but the, the casual fans don't probably know much at all. And so with uh, Quinlan, they were willing to just kind of 
throw his name out there without explaining, oh, Quinlan Boss is this character who was Obi-Wan's friend, crush mate, like he's got this big story, like there's lots going on, but like they were willing to do that without giving a whole lot of context and you're left to figure it, figure it out. I was just really surprised that they didn't take the time to do that for Satine. You don't have to go into this whole love story, but if it's a, even just a matter of hearing her voice when he's having the nightmares, or um, if mm. there was, I mean, honestly, there was a lot about Tala that really reminded me of Satine. Mm-hmm. I thought that they were going to, um, you know, I, I thought that maybe when she called him Ben, um, you know, as, as he's in his delirium and, and, uh, you know, suffering from his burns. I thought that maybe that's when he would like, you know, whisper Satine's name or something like that, where it's, it's just, I thought that there would be something that, that tethered that show to her. And the fact that there wasn't at all, like, it's such a small thing. And yet it's really probably my biggest disappointment. And I know that I'm a Satine fan. So like, I'm, I'm always going to see that, but like, like even just bigger than that character like I said I thought it was going to be a tie to that whole era to get people interested and I really feel like it was a missed opportunity I I think I going with what you're saying and making it a tie to the Clone Wars if it would have been the way that it was originally conceived with the original writers and Ray Park didn't have his little faux pas with Twitter and they use Darth Maul, I can see that being a strong tie to the Clone Wars because that's what, that's where Obi-Wan and Darth Maul have their connection and have their battles is through, um, is through the Clone Wars or when they bring him back and those stuff. So but Deborah I think- Chow said that he was never a part of the original one. Somebody like there were a lot of people that were saying no. that they, when it was originally conceived as a movie, we're t- I'm talking about as a movie. So I like- there was the Darth Maul was originally slated to be the bad guy, and then they brought in Hayden Christensen. Um, but this is like you're you're also talking about this was being conceived in like 2015. So like the original storyline was co- being developed in 2015, 2016 um, as a movie or as a movie arc, and then when Solo bombed, they said nope, we're not going to make movies, and they scrapped the Kenobi movie. So I I'm that, saying, but but. I, I'm just trying to get get clear which rumor this was because there was the rumor that came out that Maul was supposed to come back for the sequel trilogy. I've never heard that he was a part of anything related to the Kenobi show. Yeah. Or that, movie. So yeah, that was the stories that I have heard from several different, I, I can't quote the exact stories and or podcasts, but there is, there was word out there that Maul was to be connected and was to be the bad person and then they brought in vader when they could get one and again i don't know if you know what ray park and the oh, whole I know Twitter he did. Situation. that, that, okay, that yeah, would yeah. not that was but way like, after that was way after yeah. kenobi had been because I'll, I'll give you some context here. i mean i that that had nothing to do with why he wasn't in there and the reason i know that is because i be. i i came in and became a fan in during the pandemic it was early 2020 and and his faux pas was after that because i remember that happening okay but when by the time i came in they had already switched off or switched writers so they were already on right um so that that had already changed but even the i mean i know that the original writer was you know he he's been very open about what he had in his original concept and i could could, it may have been before that but i i thought that maul was attached to it 
I thought Maybe. Maul was was the original bad guy, and I can see if if it was Maul, if that was the original bad guy, there is no doubt that there would be a stronger Clone Wars connection, and there would be a stronger hey, let's re-engineer and bring people back to Clone Wars because that makes sense. But because they brought in Vader as the bad, then that that's why they went to the prequel era and had more connections to the prequel era. At least that's the way it makes sense to me, based upon the way that I'm reading this. Yeah, but I could be completely is, is wrong that... and have stories, and I could have stories flipped over. I honestly never heard of Maul being connected to the sequel trilogies either, though. So, no, it was George Lucas's original plan for the sequels that they didn't that Disney didn't go with. So it was going to be mall coming back for that so and that makes you know it was back before or, you know around the time of the disney acquisition so it was you know as like just basically a couple of years after he had been resurrected in the, in the clone wars so he was on george lucas's mind and so then you know even that kind of um reinvigorated comments about like oh like it could have been really cool if like ray had been a kenobi if Maul had been the big baddie in the sequels to kind of tie that all together in that way. But yeah, that that's also a, a relatively recent um, thing that came out. And the, the, the details of that are all in the, um, who was it, who did the, there's two giant archive books that were put together on the prequels in the original um, trilogy. And um, it's actually George Lucas being interviewed on the topic in there. So that's pretty cool. But yeah, so I don't know, like, I, I think that again, like the balance always has to be having an on-ramp on for the people who don't know Clone Wars, but also um, kind of feeding your fans who have been with you mm -hmm. the whole way. I honestly feel like um, Marvel has done a really great job of feeding the diehard fans and has had a more, at least in my opinion, has had a more difficult time giving on-ramps with their new content. Star Wars, I think, is opposite and has done some great work having on-ramps to people who do not know these yeah. characters. But I have been honestly mightily disappointed in some mm -hmm. of the content with just kind of feeling like, I already know all this stuff. I mean, we're, I'm sure that we're going to get, finally get more Mandalorian history in season three of Mando, but the first two seasons, goodness gracious, if you've watched Rebels, if you've watched Clone Wars, there has been nothing introduced beyond what you've already known, except with the introduction of this new cult, which right. never had a basis in that anyway. But even in what it was a Mandalorian season 2.0, the two Mando episodes in Boba Fett, they did a pretty good job of talking about the fall of Mandalore. Um, yes, but was, that I'm not, it was a decent introduction to it. Yes, and and that is, I mean, yeah, I'll admit, like that's that's the one time that we've gotten a little bit more information than we had in the past um, because we didn't know what happened post Rebels. Obviously, Sundari was still standing at that point, so. Mando did introduce that idea of like, oh, Mandalore is gone or, you know, glassed or destroyed or whatever. And so they, they developed that in there. But um, I mean, I've always been hoping that we would hear more about the Mandalorian Civil War and like this, this era before everybody became so, um, you know, just when, when everybody's in exile and just very disparate. And we really haven't yet. And I know, I know that like even Katie Sackhoff has mentioned that like there will be scenes in season three of Bo 
talking about her past and her family and everything like that, which I think will be great. But even then, I don't really expect too much more than what we've already had. I expect that she'll mention her sister, who was the Duchess, and, and oh, that ended in tragedy. I already know that. Give me something new. But I, like, but there's others that don't, right? I, I mean, know. So again, so there's, right, right. So it's a balance. But, but like right. I said, Disney's doing a great job of kind of giving all these, you know, little bits and pieces of history to people who have not watched the shows. I'm just waiting for, you know, I really want the Mando lore to come for the people who already know. Have you watched any of the preview or the... Um the the trailers the the stolen trailers the from celebration trailers are right. you asking me if i have watched the leaked trailers Brent? yes have you watched the illegally recorded trailers from celebration and or i think i just saw one that was like with french it was like posted on some twitter that was like in french um yes, i, I actually i actually have not like i've stayed away from it i actually have not so what are your impressions of that I'm I'm hoping to go into Mandalorian without any any actual visual images. Really? So I, okay. I'm hoping to, but I, I'm not gonna seek it out. Like I'm I've yeah. made that decision. I have a coworker who uh, he's a big Marvel and Star Wars guy, and we were we would talk, and he's like, I don't don't talk to me about spoilers. I don't watch pre trailers. I don't watch anything. I want. He's like, I'm the one who walked into the Amazing Spider Man. And I was shocked when Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield walked out because I hadn't heard anything and it surprised me and I was able to have my surprised moment and it, it was so awesome to sit there and actually be surprised because I avoided all those trailers. Yeah. So because I wasn't supposed to see it at Celebration and it was illegally recorded, that's really not why. I just, I'm too lazy to go search it out at this point. I mean, I'll be honest. But so what were your takes on the preview or the trailer? I think it looks great, you know, without getting into the everything that shows up individually. Um, Bo-Katan's there quite a bit. That's what I expected. That's what I wanted. Right. I really hope that, you know, this is, um, I mean, I, I, I'm kind of hoping that, you know, even if it's The Mandalorian season three, I'm kind of hoping that this is the book of Bo-Katan. This is her mm, story. Okay. And, and I want to have, a, I want her to really be able to take center stage or at least take, you know, co-star stage <laughs> and and i want to see her story play out and we will see if it ends up more like daenerys in game of thrones or <laughs> please god i really hope not um, <laughs> but, but but i really appreciate that like like what i think is really funny is that for somebody who like me who loves the kree's sisters i have a very nuanced take on bo katan and i really What's, re what's really funny is that both the Kree sisters are very vilified. They're, there's a huge portion of the fandom that just loathes Satine and thinks that she's a genocidal maniac. And I'm not kidding. I don't, it, people are just, they, they read so much into material that is just not there. Bo, I understand people looking at as more of a villain, but I think that between, um, what we've seen on screen and what we can imply off screen. You know, there's, there's a lot that we haven't seen of her story, but what we do know are things like Bo really has a change of heart after, you know, Pre Vizsla's death and then, and then Satine's death. When we see her in season seven of, of the Clone Wars, she's very remorseful. She literally says, mm -hmm. I wish there was something I was good at other than war. We see her, you know, 
with a lot of doubt and despair in Rebels before she basically picks up the mantle of Mandalore very hesitantly. And then by the time we see her in The Mandalorian, um, you know, she's still got a lot of doubt and despair because things haven't been easy, mm-hmm. but she's clearly, she's worked hard to try to save her planet. And so I always get really upset because the, the first reaction that I saw on Twitter with this trailer, you know, somebody who was at Celebration was, oh, Bo-Katan's entered her villain age. And I was like, oh boy. I mean, either they really have gone full Daenerys with her or, you know, I, and, and so when I finally watched the trailer, I was like, no, 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 she's, she's not. The one take, takeaway that I have from that trailer is that to me, Bo seems determined. She seems mm-hmm. opinionated. But a lot of people are saying like, oh, she's going to be like the villain. I'm like, no, that's not what I'm seeing. I think she could be an antagonist, but the trailer itself does not really display her as a villain. And so I'm, and I'm, and that brings me hope. I'm really hoping that she's going to be someone who has a lot of very convoluted motives and she doesn't have to be an out and out hero, but I'm I'm really hoping that she's not just going to be a plain old villain. But she's going to have to fight Din Djarin and Grogu. And to the, like, well, to get the, to get the Darksaber. Maybe. Because you have, you have to win it in battle, right? I mean, that's. Maybe. That's not the case. That hasn't been the case in the past. Well, and so she got it from Sabine and, and what happened to Mandalore when she got it. Isn't it? Isn't that after she got the dark saber? Mandalore fell, and who was telling that story? Someone who has a very distinct <laughs> bias against Bo-Katan, and is probably very excited to be able to say, "Hey, look! This is the curse of Mandalore." I mean, a curse is a curse. Doesn't mean it's real. The one image that I will point to that I have seen, and I can't remember if she was. But there is an image of her sitting on the throne, yeah. uh, Bo-Katan sitting on the throne. And I wasn't sure if it was a solemn sit or if she was taking it as a triumphant sit. And I think that may have been what triggered the comment from the person. But so is, is she like solemn when she sits down? Very or is solemn. she? Oh, yeah, that's what, it, that's, what I, that's what I thought I saw, where yeah. she kind of had her head in her hands and she was sitting there. It was like the weight of that chair or the weight of what she's had to do to get to there or the weight of what has gone on in her life now that she's sitting on this throne again in Mandalore. Yeah, um, it's always, well, she's not in Mandalore. Mandalore's gone. That's not Sundari. Okay. Um, that's not her sister's throne. I suspect that it's, pro- I mean, it's hard to tell. I suspect it could be Kalvala, which is the Kree's family home, and it could be her father's throne. Um, but we just really don't know. But and, it, and it's always hard to tell when it's just a teaser because you don't know how things are edited together. We get right. one shot of her, which looks like Din coming into this long throne room and she's sitting in the throne already. And it looks like she's been there. And so it looks like she was probably there just sitting in reflection somberly. And then there's a shot of her speaking to him. And so it, to me, it seems very much like she's reflecting herself it's not like she's ruling in any sense from this throne but um i don't know that's that's the stuff that i'm excited for 
I'm, I'm really excited to find out where is she? Whose throne is that? What planet are they on? Is this a place that is very significant to her family's right. past? Filoni has, Filoni has always been very clear on the fact that he's got a very long and convoluted his, like backstory for Clan Krees and the other Mandalorian clans. I've always wanted to know what it is. So I'm hoping <laughs> that that's going to come out. Yeah, he's a big Mandalorian fan. Am I not mistaken? I mean, and a lot of the Star Wars fan base is very strong in them. They, they love the Samandos. Like, um, yeah, I just like, isn't Filoni a pretty strong Mandalorian historian slash fan? Well, he isn't. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm sure that he is in terms of like, he's got the power to write all these stories himself and he has. Um, I know that, you know, he was a really big, fan of the mandos in the eu and so there, to me I, I i've always I, I i i very much oh, oh there you are you can, can you hear me yep we're good um uh, one thing that i've always been able to kind of suss out as i look at um sources and, and interviews from filoni is that there's definitely some tension between you know when when George said, we're gonna bring the Mandalorians into Star Wars. And Dave, Dave was very clear that whenever, whenever George had an idea, he would always bring everything from the EU and say, okay, this is what has been done. And that wasn't to say that, you know, we have to use this. It was just as a suggestion. And George would say, I like this, let's use that or let's okay. not. And he was pretty clear in Clone Wars that the Mandalorians are pacifists. And that was that. And there was, you know, that was a big thing. And I've always kind of felt like Filoni definitely has more of an affinity for the warriors, but I've been pleased with at least the premise that he's um, furthered on George's behalf for the pacifists. And I'm just hoping that we do eventually get to see them in the Mandalorian because I've never really, I, I've never really been able to tell did did Filoni do that just because that's what George's vision was for the Clone Wars, and now he's kind of like, let's just assume that they're all gone, or they've they've become warriors again, or they've died off, or will we finally eventually get to see them in the Mandalorian? Because I I, I want to because I think that would totally mess with Din Djarin's head. He's had he's had the last two years of trying to figure out what a Mandalorian <laughs> is, and yeah. and you know do, do they wear helmets or not? Well, if they wear if they don't always wear helmets, at least they're all warriors, right? Now now stick him with with uh, bring Corky in, please, and let him let him tell him what the, the pacifists believed, and let's let's show how Mandalorians can still have that fight in them, but they're not necessarily wearing armor and you know, kicking the crap out of each other. That's what I want to see. Right. Cool. Um, so do you have any other topics that you want to bring up or? I don't, I really don't. I mean, I think that we've, we've covered all of this new content that, uh, you know, like I said, we're kind of in the midst here, you know, post Kenobi pre and or pre, um, uh, pre Boba or uh, pre uh, uh, Mandalorian. We've pre got the Bad Club. Batch coming out in, We've got a lot coming down the pipeline in the fall. We've got Tales of the Jedi. We've got the Bad Batch season two. Um, so no, it's, I mean, we've got a lot of content that's going to be coming down. Right. 
and it's always that lull between that and the anticipation that builds up. So um, it's, it's necessary, though. It's it's necessary, though. You you oh. can you can get too much. So you brought up, and I'm just going to cycle back, and this will be my last parting shot. Yeah. So uh, you brought up the fact that you didn't you don't like the way that Ahsoka has been marketed, and there's a part of me that thinks, well, hell, they don't even have a show yet to market, right? Like so we talk about it because we know about it and they did just drop the name but they haven't even gotten to a point to figure out how to market it yet and i think I, you speak what you said i think there are other fans out there that think that same way that it might not be marketed and like they should be marketing this as soon as they told us that the show is they should have marketing ready for it and stuff like that but there's like there's not even a show for ahsoka yet to be marketed so we don't even have a market the marketing strategy at the moment no i'm, like I'm literally talking about the title that's oh, all okay. i'm talking about like i said if it's if it's a story about ahsoka it shouldn't be marketed as a rebel sequel and right. if it's truly a rebel sequel it shouldn't be called ahsoka okay but i think it's a, what if it's a mix of i guess it's a mix of both right and I don't know the the whole symbol that they've used too makes people think that there's going to be the world between worlds inside of it too, because this I oh you have no idea uh, I might cancel Disney Plus if there's a world between worlds. That's how much I hate the world between worlds. I yes. love Narnia. I love that Narnia. <laughs> in, love that Narnia influenced Dave Filoni, but Star Wars <laughs> is not Narnia. <laughs> Awesome. So yeah, I think we've gone quite a ways. That was my parting shot. Like, I mean, we, we sit and talk about it all the time and people listen to us because we're the diehards and we, we talk about Star Wars, but like the general public, they don't even know that Ahsoka is coming. Like no. my friends who are Star Wars fans aren't even like remotely listening to the stuff that we're looking at and reading and hearing. So the general public has no idea that Ahsoka is on its way. So when you said that marketing, I'm like, well, they don't really have anything to market just yet because it's that new. Yeah. Um, so like we get all hot and bothered and get angry about something that doesn't even really exist yet. So just put your two finger, your thumb and your two fingers together and just say, um, and calm enjoy star wars so. yeah i agree sometimes sometimes we just need to step back and say was i entertained and if you can say i was entertained then that's really all that they care about and maybe that's all that we need to care about mm -hmm. so that's where for, i'm at for me i don't know if there's ever been oh i mean there is i won't say that but you know in, in general like Star Wars content is good to have. I'm, I'm grateful to be a part of a franchise that is not only really still active, but is growing and thriving. And that's exciting to see. This is one of those multi-generational franchises that people still love, are still, you know, grandparents are sharing it with their grandchildren and even beyond because this has survived the test of time so I think that it's uh just good to wait see what comes down let the storytellers tell their stories and don't cut them off before they're done that's something that I think a lot of people could stand to learn and um at the end of the day 
it's just a story of space battles and space <laughs> space and wizards space wizards, space wizards and, and yeah 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 and it's not the end of the world so uh yeah. but we will certainly be here deep diving talking every week you'll be able every to, week like, every week you're gonna hear us probably say the same thing over and over again that's right but so thank you thank you to all of our listeners for for joining us we appreciate your support um please feel free to reach out to us and um and you know join the conversation you can find us at um uh, at rule the galaxy sw on twitter um got a uh, presence on youtube um wh where else can people find them got uh tiktok it's uh rule the galaxy podcast uh Doc does a fantastic job on tiktok youtube it's just rule the galaxy um you can buy merch we have our cool logo um if you go to etsy and over rule the galaxy all caps um i'm trying to think I, there is a facebook but it's really bad um so we really don't do much on there twitter is really active with a lot of our um that's where a lot of the hosts like to hang um so you can interact with us there so at rule the galaxy sw on twitter and then email is uh, at rule the galaxy um, at gmail.com. Wonderful. Well, thanks, Brent. So much Thank fun you. to uh, yeah. have these conversations. Always a joy. Every time I'm with you, I learn something new. And we, uh, like, seriously, the way that you say things, it's way more elo eloquent than what I can put together. So oh, you're I, pre I appreciate the time. You'll have to go and, and watch the deleted scenes from Revenge of the Sith now. <laughs> I, I will, because I'm actually kind of interested in that now. That's great. Well, have a wonderful day, everybody, and may the force be with you.